That's the addiction. The gaining it all and then losing it. The gaining it all and losing it. You get on this perpetual circle. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. So today we're going to delve into a new topic total new information. So the idea today and the, and the conversation we're going to have with you, each one of these sessions, we, we discuss a, a certain distinction. We're going to talk about today is why you keep doing the things that you do over and over and over again. Like, why does it seem like no matter what you do, you keep producing the same results over and over and over? Why do you keep putting yourself in the same business situations? Why do you keep putting yourself in the same relationships why do you keep going back and forth and, and eating candy bars? And like, why do you do the things that you do that you're just like, ah, stop it. Mm-hmm. I told you I'm not going to do this again. And then you keep finding yourself doing it over and over and over. So addictions. One of the things that we really, really love is neuroscience, right? So when we first started doing what most people will call like woohoo work, you know, personal development type stuff, it worked. I mean, it flat out worked. I mean, the the results in my life were clear and I just knew this shit worked. I just had no idea how. Then we started learning about neuroscience and what happens in the brain and uh, neurons firing and, and breaking certain neuronal patterns and things like that. And all of a sudden I went, oh my God, that's what I've been experiencing. That's why I've had these shifts in my life. And so it became very apparent to us that this is an arena that we really wanted to delve in because it brought the woohoo down to a scientific level where you can explain to someone like, hey, by the way, this is physiologically what is happening in your body while you're doing X, Y, and Z. And then the person understands what's happening in their body. So addictions. So what happens is over time, from a very young age to a very, you know, as, as you keep progressing in life, you train your body and your brain to affix on certain things, certain things that it gets juice from. Okay. Now the ones that are great, right. That like you can form great addictions and great habits. And all that means is that every time you do X, your body releases chemicals like dopamine or serotonin or things like, like the pleasure receptors are firing in your brain. And that basically tells the brain and the body, Ooh, I really like this. Do more of this. Okay. It's almost like, um, when you give a dog a treat, right? Every time you give a dog a treat, it's like, Ooh, I want to do more of that because I like these treats. So think about in your body, that's what's basically happening. Someone, your brain is just giving you treats. (laughs) Now that's all good and well for the things that are great, but we're here to talk about the things that are at times maybe derailing your life or aren't having you achieve the success that you necessarily want or stopping you from creating the life that you really want. 
And so what happens is your body gets addicted to this chemical release. Okay. So an easy way to look at this is people who are overweight. Okay. People who binge eat or snack all the time or all this stuff. And you just feel like you can't control yourself. The reason that is, is every time you stick a donut or a candy or a sugary drink in your body, the receptors in the body are like, woohoo, party! Treats. <laughs> the problem is this stuff dissipates after a while. And what you're left with is, is like this, oh God, why did I do that? I swore I wouldn't do that. But here's where it gets really tricky. Just like an addict to any sort of drug, okay, your body craves that dopamine. It craves that rush. It craves that good feeling. And it will consistently put you into situations that can allow it to gain that rush. So food's a real easy one to to see it with, but let's take it a step further. If you find yourself that no matter what in relationships, you end up having cataclysmic explosions, right? Like everything is really, really great for a few months or a year or whatever. And then every relationship ends in just a massive, massive fight. Something to consider, this is not like this is true, but something to consider is that you're addicted to the explosion. That explosion, that fight at the end is what gets you that juice. Your body, I'm sure you don't enjoy it, but in that moment when it is happening, your body gets that rush. And so what it will do is it will actually create and attract very specific people to your life that it thinks can create this rush experience, that can create this explosion. And this goes for everything, whether you've had bad success in business time and time again, it's like you get to a certain point of income and then it drops off the cliff. That's because that's the addiction, the gaining it all and then losing it, the gaining it all and losing it. And then you, you get on this perpetual circle. If you have fights all the time or arguments all the time, that's the addiction. This could be from smoking. This can be from, I mean, this could even be from a rush from like making fun of people, right? Like you get off on making fun of people in a harsh way. This this could also be just in your relationships. This could be the reason you wake up in the morning feeling sad on every few weeks or something like that. It could be the reason that there's a period of the month where you eat more than another period of the month. It's just all these program behaviors in that, you know, I'll kind of give you access to through language, how you can start looking at, you know, deprogramming them. Yeah. So that's really what you want to start investigating. It's like, what are the patterns? This is the question you want to ask yourself. What are patterns in my life that no matter what it is that I've done, it seems to keep going around and around. And like any time that I think, oh, I'm about to make it out. No, it just goes right back to the same thing. Any one of those loops that you are stuck in, what you want to consider is that there's a physical addiction to that, to that emotional charge, whatever that emotional charge is. Okay. And that is why you keep doing these things over and over and over. Look, guys, this is a physiological 
chemical reaction. You are not even present when this is happening. As soon as that stuff fires, you, real you, big you, whatever, gone. Have you ever seen a child on a tantrum (laughs) and tried to communicate with them, to reason with them, like us adults like to do with kids? Impossible. Impossible. And it's important to understand that you're always getting something out of doing this. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Like there's there's some payoff you're getting from acting this way, being this way, creating these circumstances. All of it is giving you something, even if your opinion about it is, I don't like it. There's something you're getting out of doing it. Otherwise, you just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. And so what you want to get is like in those moments when that rush happens, you're no longer there. You're a, an innocent bystander on a, you're a passenger in a ride that that's basically at best what's happening. So in the moments that you get really heated, right? Like before the argument, this is your body going, Ooh, this is going to happen. We're going to have another one of these fights. Let's do this. Right. And it just like flushes the body with chemicals. You're going to feel a rush. Okay. What there is to do is realize that in that moment, there is no conversation that you could have that's ever going to cause the result that you want to happen, ever. You're hijacked. Your brain is hijacked at this moment, okay? So one of our mentors said that anytime he got into this place, him and his partner had an agreement that they would go to separate parts of the house Wait till this chemical reaction comes down. And guys, by the way, this can take anywhere from 30 minutes up to two hours for this stuff to flush out of your system. So they go to their separate places. And then when they're ready and they're calm, they can come back and actually have a conversation. Now, they laid the groundwork before for this to happen because I don't know about you, but if you got heated and then your partner got heated and you're like, I'm leaving and you walk away, that usually doesn't do well, <laughs> right? Like the other person just stewing, like, why did you leave me that? So you really want to make it like a known part of the relationship that this is what happens. And when both people understand, it's like, okay, this is not going to go anywhere. I need to go and cool off. I will come back and do whatever, you know, the cool off process that you have is and come back. I mean, I'll tell you yesterday, we were on the phone, me, Guy, and, uh, and Jordan, and I snapped. Like, Guy said something. I absolutely snapped. He called me out on it at the time. I still went, still, you know, hijacked, still kept going. Guy was like, I'm going to leave. You guys have this conversation without me. Luckily, Jordan was like, no, 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 do not leave. <laughs> we stayed on. We kind of like got through it. And then I got into my car and I was driving away and I was like, wow, I was a fucking asshole. Right. Like it all calmed down. And I was like, I'm a fucking asshole. So I called guy and I was like, dude, I'm really sorry. There was absolutely no reason for me to snap the way I snapped. And it was it. You know, he said what he said. I said what I said. And we're done, like done with it. How many of you guys have that kind of relationship with people in your lives where you will go out and apologize and say that you're wrong for, for the sake of the relationship? For us, that's like, 
it's mandatory. Yeah, and Ole's saying, saying the right thing. And Ole, I'm going to point to that in a minute, how like you already know the argument's coming 10 minutes before because that pattern is so ingrained. You know the signs probably hours before. You're like, all right, so here's what's going to happen. And you're not really doing it consciously, but while it's in the process, you can like see like a slow moving train wreck coming. So in the world that Elon's talking about, about these addictions that just seem to keep coming back, the access point is to look at what are you making wrong? Okay. Humans have two things that are, uh, seem to be innate for everybody is number one for us, it's critical to look good. And I just don't mean like physically look good. I mean like the way that the people around you see us, we're so self-absorbed that when we walk down the street and we're playing some really cool music and we have that strut going, you literally think everybody's watching you when nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. That's in your own, (laughs) right? They're all all two in their own world. Exactly. And everyone's doing the same thing, thinking that everybody can like somehow perceive what they're thinking and how they're seeing the world and all this kind of stuff. It's a phenomenon of thinking. Okay. So two things that are really important to us is number one is looking good. And the way you can validate this is when you walk down the street and you trip over a crack, that's not actually there. That's the reason you turn around and blame the sidewalk for making you trip, even though you just had a lapse in presence and you tripped, right? Um, You're always looking to blame something for the experience you're having. And then the second one is outside of looking good is we're obsessed with being right about everything. So we collect a lot of information because we think if we just have enough information, we could be right about a lot of stuff, which in turn makes everybody else wrong, by the way. So a really good place to investigate is what are you making wrong? Because this is what you want to remind yourself is whatever you're making wrong is going to keep coming back to you like over and over again. That's why if you keep making your spouse wrong about something, have you ever noticed that that issue, your spouse never seems to like have a breakthrough in that area? Like that, that's the same issue you see over and over again. Like, oh, he doesn't pick up his socks or like, oh, he doesn't throw out the trash or, you know, she's never listening to me or never giving me credit or whatever it is. You're making that wrong. The issue just keeps coming back, keeps coming back over and over again. Okay. So that's really important to know. Um, Here's things you might say to yourself, by the way, about things you're making wrong. Like, I can't, they can't, he can't, she can't, I won't, he can't, uh, I won't, she won't, he won't. So like, I can't, I won't. And something you might say to yourself is some version of like, I'm not good enough. Some of us say like, I'm stupid or like, I don't have the talent. You know, you might verbalize it in different ways, but at its essence is some variation of I'm not good enough. These are all things that you're making yourself wrong or them wrong for. And whatever it is that you're making wrong for, that's where this this looping experience keeps coming in that never seems to solve itself. Okay. Part of what's missing there for everybody is having accountability for self, meaning responsibility. So if you take the word down, if you kind of break down the word responsibility, you can look at it as your ability to respond, right? Which means that when you don't take responsibility, you don't look to respond in the situation. So mostly people see responsibility as blame. Who am I going to blame for this? So you either blame them or you blame yourself. If you blame them, you feel righteous and correct and blah, 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 blah. And and you've already seen the pattern that in your life when that happens. And we're all doing that because we get some kind of payoff from it. And generally the payoff is just being right. And what we're losing for, and what we lose in contrast is like communication, love, affinity, all these things that we all care about, but we give up just for being right, which is kind of silly. So I, I say this on a lot of webinars, responsibility is very distinct from blame. In our society, these two seems to have been collapsed greatly. You see this in politics all the time. You see it in our society all the time. Something goes wrong. The media is looking for who to blame. They start pointing the fingers. And again, like take, take a look and investigate our society. When we find who to blame, like on the news, and we like, we're like, all right, finally, there's this person to blame. Like, when has that actually solved or moved the needle forward in our society? 
Okay. Like they've been trying to pin all sorts. I, I don't want to get political, but like pin all these things on the Democrat, um, like on Hillary, all these things on Trump, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't matter how many times we find that they're at fault. Like it doesn't change anything. So great. We found that they're at fault. What, what do you do? Right. In contrast for me, the definition of responsibility is the willingness to be at source. So what that means is that you take on the viewpoint that no matter what's happening, whether you're in agreement or not with what's happening, you take on that you sourced what's happening and that's it. And from that place, you'll find that you're always looking for actions to take. So when you're having these issues with your spouses, instead of having this, oh my God, they're doing something to me, you start looking for how you created that situation. Now, somebody said before, right, they have this situation with their sibling and they can see that situation coming like 10 minutes away, an hour away, et cetera, et cetera. In that moment, it, like I'm sure the experience is they're doing something to me. Oh, there they go again with their shit, blah, 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 blah. If the paradigm switch and it's like you got into the into the responsibility, like, oh, my God, I'm creating this right now. You would look for ways to immediately diffuse that situation. OK, so, again, I can't I won't. I'm not good enough. And again, you could just write like, what am I making this wrong for? What am I making him, her, it wrong for? And just complete that sentence for yourself. And you'll immediately see that you've probably ongoingly done that for a long period of time. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of resolution. Now, you've also probably spent a lot of time thinking about this issue, thinking that if you just think enough, eventually you'll have a eureka moment and you'll know what to do. And or you spend all your time talking about what you're thinking about with the other person, trying to convince them to change their thinking. And again, how is that going for you? Has that gone well so far? Uh, has their opinion or actions or the way they're being changed? I would guess probably not. So you want to consider at some point in time, if you've been applying that strategy for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, probably not a great strategy for aligning yourself or creating some kind of completion. Okay. So what I'm talking about right now is the domain of thinking. And if you really investigate thinking, you'll find that thinking is a recall action. Thinking lives in the past and it's constantly recalling things like memories or information that you've retained over and over again. And that's all you have. So when you're trying to solve a problem that can give you access to a new future arising and that whole domain lives in the past, how does that go? Not very far, right? Because it's not like there's new information there. You're just mulling over the same stuff over and over again. If you've ever been kept at night, like kept up at night with your voice looping, you'll find that it just kind of says the same thing over and over again. And that's why you can't fall asleep. If you're in a conversation with a loved one or a business partner and they're talking, you'll find that this little voice is saying the same shit that it always says over and over again. And you're not even present with that person because all you're doing is listening to what this little voice is, is saying. And really what it's saying is just stuff from the past. Like, oh, here they go again. Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this again. Oh my God, this is happening to me again, right? Like all that kind of stuff. So there's very limited access in, in the domain of thinking in terms of using thought to actually create breakthrough experiences in your own life and in your relationships with others, okay? So where you can go to work and, and the phenomenon we're going to start talking about is communication, right? Getting in communication, and in that domain, if you get in communication, the phenomenon of communication is that it creates, it's a generative type of action, and it has disappearance. So those are the two sides of it. It can make things disappear, and it can generate things, okay? So Elon used a really good example, like on that, on that call we had yesterday. Something happened. He got triggered. Some like past, and that's literally what he said. He said, like, you always do this. Like, he recalled something from the past. 
And he just was just right there with like all this make wrong about it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Got emotionally charged. Kind of like, let me have it because automation took in. I was aware of that and I just didn't want to be there for it. So my automatic response is, all right, well, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. But whatever, you know, we, we held it together long enough to finish that conversation. <laughs> and then when and then when it like subsided, what becomes available is communication again. Now, if Elon hadn't called me to take responsibility for what he did, that's like, let's sweep it under the rug. And if enough time passes, there won't be an impact on the relationship. And again, I want you to look into your own life and inquire when you've done that and pretended like something didn't happen and you sweep it under the rug. Does that issue seem to resolve itself or does it just pop up in a lot of different ways? And I I would imagine that if you've had one of those like epic fights with your spouse that lasts like a few hours and you're like in the middle of the fight and suddenly this little voice kicks in and you're like, I don't even know what the hell we're fighting about anymore, right? I, I assert that what you're fighting about is not what you're fighting about. It's that thing that's unresolved. And it's unresolved because no one's communicating clearly about that issue. And they're making it about everything else because you're too scared to actually say that thing that would have this disappear. Right. So Elon called me and got in communication and just took responsibility for what he needed to take responsibility for. And that's it. We move on. Right. Like, and, and there really is like a release of tension in that space. And now there's all this new space to keep creating into the future. Otherwise we'd be trying to build on top of that all the time. And trying to build on top of that is like is like basically putting whipped cream on a shit pie. I don't care how much whipped cream you put on a shit pie, it's still going to taste like shit. Until you actually do the work to make the poop disappear, it's not going to taste very good and you're really not going to taste the whipped cream. So communication, getting in communication is like doing the work to clean up the poo so that the whipped cream tastes really good all by itself. Okay, I'm sure that illustrated it really, really well for all you guys. For the rest of your life, took in one direction. Yeah, for the rest of your life, you'll have an analogy of poop pie every time you're in a fight. You'd be like, "Stop putting whipped cream on a poop pie." <laughs> okay. All right. So now let's let's like let's roll it back because everything that you learned mostly in your life happened between about the age of two to about seven, and most of it a lot earlier. And it's been really interesting to know this or at least like have these experiences and understand that for the most part, that's human development and watch Elon's kids grow because you can see them doing this at a really young age. Like I remember the first time I spotted Shia going through this process was he was less than two years old. And I was like, wow, this stuff starts early. And that's interesting. way earlier than we thought. Well, yeah. Honestly. Earlier than I had imagined. Cause I always like, okay, like four to seven stuff like that when the brain's kind of in more, it's logical processing, but it seems to happen way before. And, and, and neuroscience would probably back that up. And that's important to understand because when you're doing stuff like this, doing regression and going back to the source moment will give you access to, holy crap, I invented that whole thing. And then the moment you realize you invented it, you have a choice to let it go and create a new story. So basically what you've done is you were an upset little kid. Something happened to you, whether you watched it happen or it directly happened to you, you had this upset moment. And when we get upset, what we start doing is going directly to survival mode. Because that, that brain activity that Elon's talking about is the reptilian brain activating, right? Which sits behind your conscious mind and it actually overrides the programming of the conscious mind and you go right into fight or flight and all those responses are in, in to deal with survival. So when you're fighting, you're dealing with survival because them calling you out or making you defensive or whatever it is that you're l- allowing for activates survival and now you're literally like a knife is coming at your face and you got to protect yourself so we do this verbally we do it through actions people get abusive all this kind of stuff and then they're like come snap back into the reality and they're like holy crap what did i do yeah so this is important to note because a lot of this stuff even if you do a regression 
you can get back to because most of us, I know I sure don't really don't remember much about my life. Maybe some memories at four years old, three and two, I barely have any like faded memories. And those are probably memories that were told to me, not memories that I actually have. Yep. So like, I really don't remember much about my life, even five, six or seven. I have like faded little memories here and there. But again, like, and all the programming happens during that time. So we want to gain insight to what is the programming, right? Like, what could you look at to understand the programming now? Looking at issues you currently have will give you clues to your programming because that feeling and that way of action, even if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, you've been doing that same action since the moment that original situation happened. So it's out the same. You've said the same things. You've held body. You've held your body in the same posture the same way. And it's always led to the same results, right? So again, if you want the results that you have right now in your relationships, in your business, in your health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Keep doing what you're doing. Inevitably, it will lead to the same results. If you want different results, you got to pick a different way to be, a different way of being, okay? Being is a really important word here. So we want to investigate what happened. So here are the questions that you want to start asking yourself, and these are the writer downers, and this is the work you're going to do later. For some of you guys, it's going to be right there. Other you guys are going to have to just go in and investigate a little bit. So here's what you want to ask yourself. What did you see your mom making your dad wrong for? In contrast, what did you see your dad making your mom wrong for? So those are the two questions. Now you want to think about growing up, what was your experience that people made you wrong for? Like, so if you were in school or even later, even in your job right now or with your spouse, there's something that you feel continuously that people are making you wrong for. And now you want to look out into the world and you want to look at what do you make people wrong for? Do you make them wrong for being stupid, for working too slow, for being too angry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you got to get like honest with yourself, right? Like you got to get in the mud with yourself and get really honest because most of us think we're like pristine little angels that couldn't possibly make anybody wrong for, but you're walking around all day long judging every single person you see and being like, what an idiot or this person cut me off, what an asshole, right? Like all that stuff. There's some conversation that led to that conclusion that they're an asshole. Like what's underneath the surface of that? And you got to get really honest with yourself. Okay. So the way that it it kind of seems to operate, and by the way, these questions are a really good way to investigate your personal identity. This is, these are questions to look at. How did I form my identity? What is my identity? So like identify the identity is basically what we're looking for. Now we're not asking these questions so that you can dismantle your identity or change it or fix it because there's nothing to change or fix. That's just your identity. Guess what? You're stuck with it. There's no transformation happening there. What we're looking for is to start noticing it because mostly we're all walking around so unconscious that we're not actually noticing our identity doing what our identity does and we let it run amok. And there's something that's available when you start shining a light on the identity. By the way, part of the design and function of the identity is to be hidden from your view. So for instance, like what you see people make yourself, what what people make you wrong for, the way we respond to it is, I'm not that way. And that response hides from your view that you really are. So for instance, uh, in my life growing up for many times, I have been accused of having a short fuse many, many (laughs) times. Now that accusation often leads me to having a short fuse because I immediately get into defensive mode that I am not that way. And I want to prove that I'm not that way. And I prove that by having a short fuse. (laughs) (laughs) I prove that. Which is not a great way to prove that you don't have a short fuse, right? And I say to myself, well, I'm not that way. You're an asshole for like even bringing that up. And deep down, here's the truth. We know that we really are that way. And we don't deal with that. 
and we make it wrong and then we make everybody else wrong for it. And this is the design of the identity. So the identity doesn't get found out. Okay. And our response to it is how we make the world wrong. So they're stupid. They're ignorant. They're hurtful. Whatever it is that you say about them is your justification for not seeing how you show up in life. Okay. Now the thing between your mom and your dad is a structure of basically like your worldview. So you either, you either adopted the way that they were or you rebelled against it and you went to the opposite side of the coin. But, you're, but pretty much it leads to the same results. So you'll see this with a lot of successful people. If mom made dad wrong for being poor and not having money, you will probably be like, I'm going to be so successful because you don't want to be made wrong about not having money. And a lot of people with that kind of story end up being mega successful around money, but they're miserable everywhere else in their life. Because they, in their worldview, their identity created that money equals uh, love. And then they find out that that's not true. And then they struggle with that, right? So you really want... Or they don't find out that it's true and they live their entire lives that way. Right. So here's what there really is to do with this information. It's like a lot of you guys might have like big aha moments about how you are by doing this exercise. And it probably will take you a whole five to 10 minutes to do this, okay? Here's what I want you to imagine. You know that uh, fish from um, Finding Nemo? Or you've seen this fish, like in the deep, dark water, there's this fish that has this like thing that comes out here and a little light out in front of it. In Finding Nemo, they have a whole scene where they see a light and she's playing with it and then they start swimming around and this thing is trying to eat them. I don't know the name of that fish. I should probably find out. But that light is that fish's bait, right? And this fish's design is to eat (laughs) whatever gets attracted by that bait, right? We are exactly the same way. We put out the bait. They take the bait and then our identity goes and starts going crazy. Now, we're addicted to the identity. So I think it's called anglerfish, by the way. Anglerfish. So that sounds about right. So we're, we're constantly in the process of doing that with people. So a good way to see this is like if you walk into like a, a, a room with a lot of people, like a party, you can sniff out those people. You know exactly who to talk to to bait them into your identity so you can do your shtick. And this is like an ongoing thing that happens all the time. And it's not like you have one bait. You have a lot of different strategies for baiting people into your identity. And like Elon said, you're, you're so addicted to this thing that it just becomes the way things are. And you conclude that you know how you are. You conclude that you know how they are. And you conclude that you know how the world is. And you walk around as if you know everything there is to know about everything. And then you stop learning anything about the way the world is. And here's the funny part. So there's studies right now that show your average human being has five best friends. Okay. Let's multiply that by 10 and say there's 50 really close people to you in your entire life, by the way. That's what the study is about. And let's say you're exposed to another 50, 100, a few more hundred people. There's 7.3 billion people, I think, on the planet. If we did the ratios on how many people that is that you're actively exposed to in any deep, meaningful way, let's say it's a few hundred people. That's like 0.0000000, lots of zeros, and a 1% of the entire world. And you think you know what the world is like by investigating 50 people in your life. That's a little bit crazy, right? You're exposed to nothing during a lifetime in terms of people's perspective and what's out there. I want you guys to know that if you can think it or imagine it, there is some human out there doing that thing that you can think or imagine. We all have the capacity for all of it. From the best of us in the sainthood to people who are murderous and genocide, we all have that capacity. And mostly what's made the difference is the circumstances you grew up in and how you responded to them. Okay. So again, there's nothing to do about fixing your identity, but it's really helpful to see how it is that you bait people. Again, I'll use that example. 
where uh, I don't remember who said that, but about like the 10 minutes before knowing what's coming, that's the bait. Whatever happened before that, that's, that's you looking at the bait going, I know what's coming next. And then the identity attacks. Okay. And inside that world, what you lose is what could have been possible. So here's something to inquire about, because this is what this kind of education has, has at least led me into the inquiry of. If everything can be resolved inside the domain of communication, and I truly believe that that's so, and there could be a time in my life where that's an expanded thing, but in the most simplistic form, I believe everything can be handled in communication. No matter how bad you fuck it up with somebody, in the world of communication, you can get it handled, okay? If you properly know how to actually communicate to people. And, and just, just to clarify that, that might not mean like you have one conversation and it's over. That might mean that you need to have 12 conversations, but that continuous conversation, that continuous communication, you could literally, I mean, I've seen people alter the most heinous things that you can imagine were corrected when, when they got into communication. Absolutely. So again, you're looking for clues right now into how it is that you set off this chain reaction because all you guys already know the results of this chain reaction. And if you don't like the results you're getting, guess what? That chain reaction is going to lead you to the same results over and over again. So there's two domains you can look at and where you can alter this a little bit. And one is in your listening and the other one's in your in, in your speaking, right? In your communication. So these are two different language patterns that we use. Most people are terrible listeners because they don't know that you need to be trained in listening. They just think that it's like a passive thing that you do. So they don't listen. Your average person is not listening. They're waiting for their turn to talk. And they're not even waiting for their turn to talk. What they're really listening to is not the person who's saying anything. They're listening to all their assessments about what's being said. And then they're waiting for their turn to talk, which basically means they're having a conversation with themselves. The other person is just there for show, you know, just to, so you can like throw up your bullshit on them and, convince them and manipulate them and do all these things that we do. And I know those are strong words, but it's like, we're all in this habit of trying to convince everybody to see the world from our perspective, even though there are 7.3 billion perspectives, none of which are really invalid, but we try to invalidate each other all the time. Okay. So imagine if you could step into a conversation without thinking, without the recall process that we normally do, without bringing all your past and judgments and assessments into every conversation. And you sat there and played with a space of bringing nothing into the listening. And I assert that what you may find if you do this is that there will be a space for rediscovery for you and for them. You'll see them newly and they'll be able to self-discover all sorts of things about you and about the way things are if you're able to bring nothing to the conversation. Now, this also means that if somebody says something like, you know, if you have like an ex-boyfriend that you hate and you're with like a new in a new relationship and the moment that person, that moment that next guy says something that sounded like what the ex-boyfriend says, your brain goes, oh, shit, here we go again. And now what happens is you bring that past into the present and you listen to everything through that filter. And they sound exactly like the last person, even though they're nothing like the last person. And that's why people go, how come I keep ending up with the same guy? Or how come I keep ending up with the same boss? Or how come blah, 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 blah. Or how come like somebody wrote about quitting smoking cigarettes? You're bringing a filter into your listening all the time and you keep getting the same information over and over again. That's what's happening. Okay. Same thing with your speaking. Could you bring nothing to the conversation? Meaning, could you not wait for your turn to talk? Could you turn off the little voice in your head that's having assessment? And could you really be present with somebody in a meaningful way? So instead of you waiting for your turn to talk, you just let the space give you what to say. This is a lot more similar to uh, dancing, 
right? Like when you're dancing, you could have like a set moves and patterns, or you could just kind of like freestyle dance with the, with your partner. We're kind of talking about the freestyle dance. Like you let the motion and the moment kind of determine what the motion is going to be. Okay. So these are just some things that we want you guys to play with. And again, guys, right now it's not about fixing or healing anything. In fact, if you try to fix something, what you're going to do is you're going to lean towards more, better, different. And what you're going to get is more, better, different of the same results. So if you want to write that down, fixing leads to more, better, different. And all you get is more, better, different of the same results. Okay. We really want to open you up to start looking at not what you're doing, but that there's alternate ways to be like being. And that's a completely different uh, domain to look at being versus doing. And inside the world of being, a question to ask yourself is when you're in these situations, what was missing that if it was present, it would make a difference. And you want to answer that question in the way that you were being. So if you like brought to the conversation with your spouse, like I was being judgmental, judgment leads to that result because you take actions that a judgmental takes, you get the results a judgmental person gets, right? So what might be missing in that moment is like, is like play, like being playful. And if you're being playful, like, Imagine being playful with your husband. Like, what kind of result would you get, right? Like, completely different thing. And I'm sorry I keep saying husband like there's something wrong with the ladies. It's, it, this goes both ways. Okay. <laughs> I apologize for that. I'm just like a man. No, clearly. From a man's world. All right. So I think that kind of gives the world of it. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family. And truly, truly, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends.